Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are the God of revival and renewal and, and of new life now and forever. As we come to you today, we thank you and praise you for your coming kingdom. And we ask, as we're going to be talking about in this message today, God, that your will would be done, your kingdom come on earth through us, through our lives. We pray that your Holy Spirit would be poured into us so that we can hear this message and receive it, but then go out and be empowered to live it in your, in, in your goodness, in your grace, and your love, so that people in our families, our workplaces, our communities, and our homes will know your kingdom power. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you haven't been here for a while, or maybe you're brand new, this is your very first time watching online with us. We're in the middle of this series, literally the middle. It's the fourth week of an eight-week series called New Beginnings, The Lord's Prayer. We've been working our way through Jesus' model prayer, and we've taken two weeks to introduce the, I guess, the salutation, our Father, and in heaven. And then last week, we talked about what... what that would be the first petition, hallowed be your name or holy be your name. If you missed those messages, I would encourage you to go to newlifexn.org or the New Life app and watch them because they're a very important part of this overall series. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the second and third petitions or requests in the prayer, your will be done on earth, your kingdom, or your will be done, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Before we do that, though, let's look at the the Lord's Prayer as we find it in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9. What we'll notice is it, it's a little different than we say it when we say the Lord's Prayer together in worship, for example, when we have the Lord's Supper. But it, Jesus said this, pray like this, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy, may your kingdom come soon, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. So may your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Those two statements actually are one statement. I know it sounds like two statements, but in Hebrew poetry, as we find in the book of Psalms, and and actually as we find here in the Lord's Prayer, what often happened is they would say the first line, and then they would restate the same thing in the second line. So it's called parallelism. Uh, And it's not just Hebrews that did that. It's often done in poetry. But when Jesus said, um, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, what he was saying was, let's see God's will done on earth because it's already done in heaven. So today's take-home point sort of makes that point. And the take-home point is the one point that I'm going to be making Um, during this message from Scripture that we want to take home and live out in the week ahead. So here it is. When we do our Father's will, His kingdom is here. When we do our Father's will, His kingdom is here. So every time you and I obey a command of Jesus, God's kingdom is in that place, in that moment. The main reason that Jesus gave us this petition in the Lord's Prayer, that we want to pray for His kingdom to come, His will to be done on earth as it is already in heaven, is because at the moment, the earth has a usurper in charge. God created the universe and everything it contains, and then He created, as He created the earth, He created us, human beings, and He gave us the task of co-ruling with Him. Now, He had a plan. And that plan was that we would be fruitful and multiply, that we would subdue the earth. In other words, that we would be the ones who spread out across the planet. And as I said, we would rule with him. But that plan got interrupted. God isn't the one who interrupted it. We did. 
or I should say our first ancestors did, Adam and Eve, they chose to reject God's plan for what they thought was a better one. Satan had deceived them into believing that God was holding out on them, not giving them everything that they needed. So when Adam and Eve rejected God's will, which is called sin, then what happened is Satan became the ruler of this earth. God had thrown Satan out of heaven. Satan was an angel, in fact, the chief angel. But he decided he wanted to be God, so he instituted a rebellion, and God put down the rebellion, and he cast Satan down to the earth. And so he's here ruling for a period of time. According to Jesus, the devil is the accuser of of all of us, and also Jesus said he exists to steal, kill, and to destroy us. But Jesus came to earth to purchase our lives back from sin and death and to give us new lives here and now and forever. So when Jesus told us to pray, may your kingdom come soon, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, he showed us how to overcome Satan and how to experience victory in our lives. When we do God's will here on earth, he reclaims that place, that moment, that situation for himself. God's kingdom advances and comes in that moment. And one day Jesus promises us he's going to return and he's going to institute his kingdom, his eternal kingdom on earth forever. But until that moment comes, his kingdom advances wherever you and I do God's will. So let's turn to a few passages in the gospels where we read about God's coming kingdom and what we must do to participate in it. So the first passage comes from Matthew, again, which we just read from to find the Lord's Prayer, but it's in chapter 3 this time, and we read this. In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. John the Baptist was called by God from his mother's womb to be the messenger for Jesus when Jesus came to the earth. John thought that when Jesus came, he would be the conquering Messiah that the Israelites had been waiting for for hundreds of years. John expected that Jesus would overthrow the Roman government, would overthrow the corrupt Israelite leaders, and then he would reestablish Israel as the central power on the planet. John thought that Jesus was going to be a political king. But even with all of that expectation, John's message, as we saw, is primarily a spiritual message. John said, repent, repent, or as we say there, turn from your sins and turn back to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The original Greek can also mean the kingdom of God has already come. So John the Baptist believed that not only was God's kingdom near, but Jesus had come and God's kingdom had come and soon the Romans would be overthrown, the Israelite king Herod would be overthrown, and God would have his king, Jesus, ruling on the throne. And people, people would have victory. Finally, after hundreds and hundreds of years of being subjected to exile and slavery and simply being not able to rule the way they had in King David's day. That's what they were wanting. But John didn't realize that's not why Jesus came the first time. People heard John's message and many came to him to be baptized, to demonstrate their repentance, their turning away from sin and turning back to God and their readiness for receiving the Messiah. What John didn't know, as I already said, is Jesus was not going to take over the throne in Jerusalem. He wasn't going to take over the throne in Rome. In fact, what he was going to do 
was take Satan out of leadership on this planet and restore freedom to his people. And his people means every person willing to know him as Savior and Lord. So Jesus had come to undo sin's power and to overcome death's permanence. Isn't that incredible? Overcome sin's power in our lives, but also to overcome death's permanence. No, no longer were we going to die and that was going to be it, or we'd be separated from God forever. Now we could be with God forever. So while we might see those actions as purely spiritual, right? Overcoming sin, overcoming death, there's actually physical and even political ramifications in that. Because think about it. If every single person on this planet submitted ourselves to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, if we, every single one of us, lived our lives daily to see God's kingdom come here on earth, His will to be done here on earth as it already is in heaven, imagine what the world would be like. And what you're saying is, well, that's never going to happen. Well, you're right. It's never going to happen in its fullness until Jesus does return and establishes a kingdom forever. But Jesus told us to pray for it. And when he told us to pray, may your kingdom come soon, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, he was saying, not only are we supposed to pray for God to do something about it, but he, was told, he told us we're supposed to do something about it. Because every time we hear a command of Jesus and we live it out, we are bringing his kingdom here on earth, whether it's in our family, in our workplaces, in our school, wherever we are, he is going to establish his reign. And that's what that prayer is all about. Now, when Jesus died on the cross, rose again, and sent the Holy Spirit into our lives, he gave us new lives. He called it being born again. And he gave us the power to actually fulfill what this prayer is asking us to do, to bring his kingdom wherever we live, work, and play. So it wasn't only John who called people to repent, to turn away from their sins and back to God in preparation for the coming kingdom, Jesus actually said the same thing when he started his ministry. He spoke about God's coming kingdom, and we find that in Matthew chapter 4, starting in verses, verse 12 and all the way through 17. It says this, When Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He went first to Nazareth, then left there and moved to Capernaum, beside the Sea of Galilee in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This fulfilled what God said through the prophet Isaiah. In the land of Zebulun and of Naphtali, beside the sea, beyond the Jordan River, in Galilee, where so many Gentiles live, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who lived in the land where death cast its shadow, a light has shined. From then on, Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. John had been arrested because he told King Herod his life was sinful. He had married, actually, his brother's wife. He had taken his brother's wife away from his brother and married her. And John said, you can't do that. And so Herod the king had arrested John and put him in prison. And when that happened, Jesus left Judea, the southern part of Israel, where the, the actual capital city of Jerusalem is located, and he returned to Galilee, his his home. I mean, he wasn't born there. He was born in Bethlehem, but he had lived most of his life in the region of Nazareth in Galilee, which is about 100 miles north of Jerusalem. So Jesus came to shed light everywhere. And, and, and actually, we are told in that passage of Scripture we read that the land where Jesus lived was a land of darkness. And that's always the image in the Bible for sin. 
So sin had cast a, a dark shadow over northern Israel, and it said there were a lot of, actually a lot of Gentiles lived there. Gentiles are simply non-Jews. And so Jesus came to be the light of the world, and he has called us also to be the light. So Jesus' first message to the people, exactly the same as the message of John, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. You see, we can't experience God's kingdom. We can't do God's will here on earth as it's already done in heaven until we turn away from our sin and turn back to God. We have to reject Satan's ways. We have to reject the current ruler of this world so that we can follow the true ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus. So when we pray, may your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are standing against the devil and we're standing with Jesus. Now you might be thinking, isn't that what everybody wants? Doesn't everybody want to stand against the devil and stand with Jesus? The short answer to that question is no, not everybody wants that. Everyone doesn't want God's will to be done here on earth. In John 3, Jesus had a famous conversation with Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader, and it's famous because it's in that passage that we find the verse John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. But a few verses after John 3, 16, Jesus told us why not everyone is really eager for God's will to be done and for his kingdom to come on earth as it's already done in heaven. In John 3, 18 to 21, here's what we read. Whoever believes in him, that is in Jesus, is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and the people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. So when we practice evil or sin, we don't, we don't like the light. We want to live in darkness. We love the darkness. But once we've repented, once we've turned away from that darkness and walked back to God, once we've turned back to God, then we love to live in the light. In fact, Jesus actually says we become the light. We're reflecting his light in our lives. That's what we were created to do. So Jesus called us to pray for God's kingdom to come, his will to be done on earth as it already is done in heaven, because that's the only way for us to align ourselves with God's will and way. So let's look at one more scripture that talks about God's kingdom, and we find it in this time in Luke's gospel. It's in chapter 17. It starts in verse 20. It reads, one day the Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? Jesus replied, the kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, here it is, or it's over there, for the kingdom of God is already among you. The Pharisees believed that when the Messiah came, that God's kingdom would also come, that it would be a, that tangible political kingdom, that everybody would be able to, you know, you, there would be borders. You would be able to see the nation of Israel would expand its borders to be sure, and everybody would know where it was. So that's why they asked Jesus when God's kingdom was going to come. If he was the Messiah, well, then tell us, when is the kingdom coming? And they must have been very surprised at Jesus' answer because Jesus said the kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. It doesn't have borders. One day God's kingdom will come in all its power. In that moment, God's kingdom will be visible. But when Jesus came the first time, 
He came to reconcile us with God, to reestablish the broken relationship between God and us, which we had broken, not God, through our sin. Jesus said the kingdom of God is among us or within us. And that was true 2,000 years ago, and it's still true today. We get to live God's will and to demonstrate God's kingdom every moment we obey his commands. I know I've said that several times in several ways, but right now, you and I can do God's will. Right now, you and I can bring God's kingdom to the places where we live, work, and play every single day. Jesus told us to pray for God's will to be done, God's kingdom to come here on earth as it already is done in heaven because he was going to die and rise again to go back to heaven so that he could send the Holy Spirit to empower all of us to live God's will and God's purpose as we obey his commands. And that's the reality that we have, the kingdom reality that we have here and now. Not, not someday when Jesus returns, but right now as we live our life every day. And as we do that, as we live in obedience to Jesus, we kick the devil to the curb. And that's one of my, that's one of my goals in life every single day. The devil's already been defeated. You realize that. On the cross, Jesus Christ defeated the devil, but he still has limited power. And that limited power will last until Jesus returns and ultimately gets rid of him permanently. In the meantime, we don't have to be afraid of the devil. We don't have to be afraid of his power because his power is, is weak in comparison to the power of God that's in our lives by the Holy Spirit's presence. Each day when we wake up and we give, uh, are given a new day by God, he also gives us new power so that we can live in victory and live in authority. You say, Jesus told us when we pray, that we are supposed to ask God's kingdom to come right here and now. He's given us the authority to live that way here and now. We don't have to wait for someday out there. Too many Christians in America live as if we're sort of helpless maidens in some melodrama tied to the railroad tracks of history, as if it matters who's in the White House right now, or if it matters that there's a pandemic going on, or it matters that a lot of people aren't following the truth of God. You see, the Apostle James reminded us to humble ourselves before God. And then as we do that, we lean into God. And as we do that, he will empower us to overcome all the works of the devil. Our job is simply to trust our Heavenly Father, to recognize that he is the King of Heaven, and then to give him the great honor that he deserves. What we talked about last week when we said hallowing or giving great honor to him as King and Supreme Being of the universe, and then to call on him to send his kingdom power and purpose to us. It's simple, but it is most certainly not easy because every single day we are tempted. And we, we, we are, you know, in our minds, we wake up and we say, oh no, this is gonna happen today, that's gonna happen today. And we have all of these ideas going on in our mind about how we're powerless, how we can't do anything to change the world. But the reality is, we are not powerless. That's the devil's lie. It's his deception. We are actually so far from being powerless, it's not even funny because the risen Jesus told us that he has all authority in heaven and on earth. And then he said, here, I'm giving that authority to you. You go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. He gave us his authority until he returns. And that's why today's next step is, I will advance our Father's kingdom by doing his will in my life each day. Every time we obey a single command, you know, it's, it might not be a big thing. It might be. I mean, God might call us to do some amazing, earth-changing activity 
in his name. Or he might just call us to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. He might just call us to do to someone what we'd want to have done to us. He might just call us to some simple act of obedience and kindness in our families, in our workplaces, in our schools, wherever we live, work, and play. And as we do that, God's will will be done and his kingdom will come here on earth as it is in heaven. You know, that's God's plan and he doesn't have a plan B. Amen. If we are going to do God's will here on earth, if we're going to bring God's kingdom here on earth by how we live, the first thing we need to do is we need to trust Jesus as Savior and Lord in our lives. After all, I said that Jesus died, rose again, went back to heaven, and sent the Holy Spirit to those who trust Him as Savior and Lord. So we need to do that first. And here at New Life, we always say, following Jesus, trusting Him as Savior and Lord, it's simple, but it's not easy. It's as simple as a B, C. A is admit. Admit that you're a sinner. Admit that you're broken. Admit that if you were Adam and Eve, you know, you would have been fooled too by the devil and you would have bought into the lie and you would have, and we have bought into many, many lies. And so we're sinners. Admit that. B is believe in Jesus. Believe in the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one who came to the earth the first time to die on a cross after he lived the perfect life that none of us could ever live so that we could have our sins atoned. That is, we could be put at one with God and our relationship restored. And then he rose from the dead and returned to heaven. And he's there right now, according to Romans 8, praying for us. And he will return one day to establish his kingdom forever. In the meantime, we believe in him and we believe in his power to change us from the inside out. And then see, we confess to God those sins that we already admitted to ourselves. We confess them to God, ask him to change us from the inside out. That's what repentance is all about. Repenting is turning away from sin, turning back to God. And then we confess to anyone who will listen that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God and that he is Lord and Savior in our lives. If you've never done that, I'm going to encourage you to pray with me right now. I'm going to pray as if it was the very first time in my life that I was trusting Jesus, Savior and Lord. And then you can pray right along with me. And then I'll have a a, a closing prayer for all of us. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and love. I thank you, God, that you are the one who sent your son Jesus to pay for my sins. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I need you. I admit that I need a savior, one who is going to rescue me from sin and death. I need a Lord, one who's going to be my owner, my master, who's going to tell me how I need to live so that I can have victory over the devil in my daily lives, my daily life. God, I pray right now, and and I, I, I believe that Jesus is who he says he is that he's my savior and my Lord, that he's your son, that he's the God of the universe. And God, right now I confess to you the sin of my life. I'm, I'm, I'm broken, I'm, I'm lost without you. I, I've tried to live my life in a, and it just doesn't work. And so I ask you right now to take over. Give me that new life that Jesus promises and let me live in the power of your spirit today and every day. God, I I lift up my brothers and sisters who have already prayed a prayer like that last week, last month, last year, 50 years ago. 
God, I pray for all of us that you would pour your Holy Spirit into us, that you would fill us to overflowing so that we can live out of that overflow, so that we can do your will in every arena of our life, in our home, in our workplace, in our schools, in our community, wherever we are, wherever you send us, God, to your glory, honor, and praise. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you just committed your life to Jesus for the very first time, would you please um, just click on that button in the chat that lets us know that we'd like to follow up with you and help you to see how that new life um, actually can go and give you some next steps for that. I would like to encourage all of us to remember something, that we're not standing in the world witnessing to Jesus Christ. We're standing in Jesus Christ, witnessing to the world. His kingdom has already come everywhere we are because he is in us and he is with us. So as we go out, let us go out into the world in peace. Let us love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Let us render to no one evil for evil, but always turn back evil with good. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with us all today. And until we see Jesus face to face, amen. Have a great week, everybody. God bless.